restorative justice is a thing in Canada and so many people don't even know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So utilizing and educating people on that. But honestly, I think there's just so many flaws in how our court system works. That was a huge reason why I didn't share with anyone. I was just scared if I like opened my mouth, just if I squeaked a peep that it was just going to blow up in my face and I wouldn't really get control of what I was able to do. And I still don't even know in detail of somehow of our system works of, you know, the different step-by-step and what are options. So I would love to see that change in its entirety, which is a huge piece and don't be like expecting looking my name on that in the next few years. But that is just like my big dream. I'd love to do that. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. As I evolve and expand as a person and as a podcast host, I have learned that creating a safe space is nearly impossible. I don't know what topics or stories may trigger my listeners, but I hold space with love and intention and honor the bravery that it takes not only to share, but to listen to the stories of others. So I thank you so much for being here. I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging that I am recording from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Interior Salish people, in particular, the Sinaiaks, on whose territory I work and live. The Safe Haven has shapeshifted into a bi-weekly release, with alternating bi-weekly releases of a segment called Road Trip, where Jennifer Porter and I have the kinds of chats that you'd have with a bestie on a road trip. Today, Jen and I hit the road for another great adventure, stocked with some meat and cheese snacks from Great Canadian Meats. Thank you! We are ready for a good catch-up. So after some funny stories, Fiona calls, so thank goodness the Bluetooth speaker is hooked up. Fiona and Jen met on the island last summer, and we've all been in touch since. With a big heart and beautiful visions, Fiona fills us in on what she's been up to lately and her business ideas and where she's headed to next with this line of work. As a content warning before we dive in, Fiona's work is related to her sexual assault and rape and what she's doing moving forward in that space with education and resources, really shaking up the system. Go Fiona, go. I also wanted to remind you that we would love it if you could follow The Safe Haven on your podcast app. Leaving a rating or writing a written review helps us reach more people and show other listeners and podcasters that we're legit. Every single one helps, so if you haven't done so, we'd be so appreciative if you did. Here we go. Hello, road trip friends. I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And we're two adventurous souls with a huge passion for travel and chasing the unordinary. You know those podcasts that you listen to that you feel like you're hanging out on the couch with a friend or on a long road trip chatting with your bestie? That's what we've created and we want you to come along for the ride. Sometimes it'll just be us and other times we'll pick up a friend along the way for some additional insights. In each road trip episode, we'll be sharing a variety of insights and perspectives, lessons and memories from our lives. Sometimes we may cry, but we will laugh way more honoring every emotion that comes up authentically. That is what road trips with your besties are for. So grab a snack, pop in those earbuds, and buckle up. Okay, so speaking of snacks, guess what I got in the mail last week? Stop, a box of meat? Yeah, I did. Ah! Great Canadian Meats sent me another box, and I've been on doing little fun photo shoots because I take them everywhere. And then I just like, or even, (laughs) well, I've also started Outlander, by the way. So the other day, I just totally grabbed Outlander. Did you say what is Outlander? Yes. Okay. Is it a show? Yeah. It's on Netflix, but I oh. don't feel as bad now that you don't know because every time I said something about Outlander up until a couple of weeks ago, people that 
found out that I hadn't yet started it on Netflix. Apparently it's been around for years. Who knew? I did not know that. We're just blown away that I hadn't seen it. Anyway, it's this great show. I'm enjoying it. It's actually from a book series and everyone needs a Jamie Fraser, by the way. Is it the time traveler? Like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know neither one of us really watch TV. You and I, neither one of us really watch it, but that has been kind of something that on and off, I've been trying to just catch an episode here and there. How long are the episodes? About an hour. Ooh, your, your attention span lasts that long? <laughs> it does. I love that you just said that though, because that's how I know when I'm just too tapped out to sit for an hour is if, you know, by 25, 26 minutes into it, I just like pick up my phone and I either go to text someone or scroll and I'll just put it on pause and do something else, get up, walk around. That is hilarious. So I guess, no, my attention span does not last. (laughs) That's my problem. I need a good, like if I'm into a TV series, like the episodes are like 23 minutes. Max. Yeah. Mm. Or I've got to be like super into it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. But Outlanders on Netflix. I mean, I bummed Netflix off my mom. So looks like I could be watching it soon. Yeah. Try it. Just check it out. Some people like aren't into it and other people like Emily, for example, was raving about it. So I got to fish my TV out of my storage unit. Oh, right. I know that's going to be coming up soon. Either we or you or you and someone else are going to have to actually go and make that adventure drive. Yeah. Yeah. May 7th. I'm going. I am actually quite excited about my birthday this year. What are you doing? I don't know yet. Probably nothing, but I just feel good about it. Okay. So you're going to be 34. Mm -hmm. What is in store for you this year? Becoming a death doula. That's number one. Becoming a death doula. Yeah. In terms of investments, (laughs) not that I'm buying anything, but I've been doing some research on being a psychedelic sitter. I feel like I'm slowly starting to drop some breadcrumbs around and salt bay some sprinklings of. (laughs) Salt bay. You see my hand up? (laughs) Woo. Yeah, just like salt base sprinkling some little bits of what I'm getting into this year. And it's starting to feel really good. The more that I sink into what I'm doing and the more I start talking about it, because actually even having taken Anchored, and obviously it's not done yet, but I'm starting to find that the more I sink into the truth that I am living and what I'm interested in and what I'm starting to develop into a business plan, I've kept a lot of it quite secret. It's been like a a very quiet thing that I've been doing, even getting back into Reiki and the death doula course. But now that this is all happening and I'm super jazzed and super ignited by it, I'm feeling more comfort in speaking about it because I know that my own wounding from the past, I would just hide all of that stuff out of shame because I didn't want to fail or try something that people would, you know, ostracize me for in some way, which has happened. So yeah, it feels really good. So in being a death doula, Mm -hmm. do people hire you or are you hired by like, say, a long-term care facility that then you go in as people are in palliative care? Well, that's a great question. So there's a lot of different ways and shapes and forms that this practice can evolve and grow into. So it is, depending on the organization, something that is available as a service, otherwise can be hired out. I know for myself, the way that I see myself expanding into this space is offering my own services with energy healing as well, with Tamana and with Reiki as something moving forward. And then that's actually where like the psychedelic stuff kind of kicks in because with end of life distress and existential crisis and stuff, where being able to sit with someone as they trip, I think is just 
anyway, that's kind of like the trifecta of what I'm kind of moving forward with. But, but yeah, the way that I see it is if there's some way that whether it's nonprofit or whether I'm able to raise funds so that I can offer my services free of charge is, is how the reciprocity I think I would like to step into would unfold. But yeah, that's going to have to be, I'm going to have to get creative, but I'm excited about that. Okay. Mm. You can buy mushrooms online. I know. A friend of mine sent me a message the other day. She's like, you're not going to believe what I just found online. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Actually, where I'm at right now, I think just all over the Kootenays, that's like the Kootenay currency. The Kootenay currency. I love it. You can source things like no matter where you are in the Kootenays. I feel like that would be my preference over buying online. But I mean, then there's so many things that are safe online too. So yeah. People just grow this stuff in their gardens. Oh Go gosh. to Salt Island. I know. So true. Have you been there before? Have I been where? To Salt Spring Island? No. It's off the coast of Vancouver Island? No, I have definitely not. Is it awesome? Oh, it's an interesting little place for sure. <laughs> I feel like there's gems like that around the world. It's got me thinking of um, Byron Bay in a way. But wait a second. What's that place that's inland from Byron Bay? You go there. Nimbin. Yeah. <laughs> Have you Jess, been there? No, but my best friend, Jess Lee, she used to drive the bus. <laughs> they would take really? the people yeah, from Byron Bay into Nimbin. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Was it wild? And, oh, it's wild. Like I got off the bus and I'm pretty sure like we ate edibles within like 10 feet of being off the bus. I don't doubt it. I had my tarot cards read by this little lady who had this amethyst dangling. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's my vibe in that thought- whole place. <laughs> Yeah. Then I like, I think for some reason, I forget. I think I went to Nimbin like hours before I flew home. Oh gosh. And it was like, we had these cookies that were edibles and it was like, take these before we go into the Sydney airport to get on our flight home. Mm -mm. I I couldn't. I even just, okay. That makes me think of, I, it was only alcohol, but I just remember flying back from Vegas into Detroit, still drunk was at the very back seat. You know how the back of a plane kind of tapers? So it goes from like three seats, three seats, three seats, and then down to two seats. Yeah. And they don't go backwards at all. They don't no, they suck. And there was like... Right by the toilet. Well, not only that, which was terrible. I had some big snorry dude beside me. And there was like 12 crying babies in the plane. My parents, one time, they took a flight... Um, I believe they were going like either to or from Italy or somewhere in the Mediterranean. And there was a man on the flight. It was an overnight flight. He played the harmonica all night long. No, that should not be allowed. And I was like, mom, like, why didn't the flight attendant tell him to stop? And I I forget the answer, but I remember they were like on, yeah, on a flight to the med somewhere. And this man, my mom told me, she's like, yeah, the man was playing the harmonica. I cannot imagine. I remember actually, that's wild. I have so many plane stories. I'm sure you do too. But I remember once we were somewhere over the Atlantic. Okay. It was uh, 2019 when I was flying over to the UK. Anyway, we're like over the middle. I'm, I know because of the duration of the flight, also basic geography, hello, that there was this guy who was having a presumed heart attack. And oh, this- wow. Yeah. And he was the directly the seat directly in front of me. So I was sleeping. And so when I woke up and saw all of the things that were happening and all of the lights on the ceiling above me were on and whatever. And this one flight attendant is fanning this guy's face and he just looks yellow. It was awful. 
And she kept saying, it's fine. We're just going to land the plane. We're just going to land the plane. Here's me being like, where are you going, sis? I don't know where you think that we're just going to land where this plane. Landing. Yeah. I had like, no, it's not going to happen. Like we need to do something on this flight anyway. I don't know. that. But made- did you land? The- like, did the plane land? No, there was, there actually ended up I don't remember exactly, exactly, exactly how this happened, but I do remember that there ended up being a doctor available that was able to just kind of provide some assistance or ask specific questions and pop an aspirin. You know what it actually turned out to be though, was a panic attack. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a panic attack that I remember that because I remember sitting beside the people that were sitting beside him in because on my layover and listening to them talk about it and about how they're like, oh yeah, they were friends of ours and da, 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 da. And yeah, it was a really severe panic attack. That's crazy, but I mean, I get it. I was in relationship actually once with a guy who had a really severe panic attack and thought he was having a heart attack and we ended up going and he had those, what are they called? EKGs? Yeah. EK, yeah. And he had one of those done on his heart at the Minden Hospital. That's a bit freaky. Yeah. When I was younger, I had really bad allergies. I used to swell up and I'd have to get a shot. Like I have to go to the hospital and get a shot of adrenaline in my hip and I'd have to get hooked up to the heart monitor <sighs> and see where stay there for like four hours it was wild that is wild it's hard for me to think back to how even you would feel because I guess grade seven and eight you would be what 13 12 13 ish where like number one four hours hooked up to something is a very very long time and then also just being at that age and really not having any idea of what's going on but knowing how my dad responded to how sick I was when my appendix had ruptured that is a freaking story in itself. But anyway, I remember seeing the sheer panic in his eyes and just even in how he responded physically to when the doctor had come in and said, well, Amanda, you have two abscesses in your abdomen right now that we're going to have to get rid of basically or drain before we can proceed with your appendectomy. And my dad looked at the doctor and said, sorry, she has two abscesses and he had shown him a, a picture and an image. And yes, this one's four and a half centimeters in diameter. And this one's five and a half centimeters in diameter. And I didn't really know what that meant. And here's no. me. I think I was like 27 when this happened, but because I couldn't drive, my dad had to take me down to the hospital and yeah. And he was the one who had just said, I'm not that I'm freaking out because he was trying to maintain his composure, but you can only maintain your composure so much when you get news like that and you understand immediately what that means for your kids. So you think about even your parents and how they would have felt in that, in that space. Oh yeah. It would, it would like, and it's funny, like it would flare up at nighttime, like mm. just as I was like, getting ready to go to bed and I'd be like, mom or dad, my lips are swelling. And oh. we'd be like, all right, pop the Benadryl, like get in the car. We're going to the hospital mm. and we'd be there for four hours. I wouldn't go to school the next day. No. <laughs> I was that kid with allergies. I was like, need to live in a bubble. <laughs> oh, is that, is that your phone or is that mine? That's my phone. Is the Bluetooth oh, that's your phone ringing? Is the is the Bluetooth hooked up? It the Bluetooth always hooked up since I Jimmy rigged it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna answer this. It's actually uh, who is it? It's it's Fiona. <laughs> okay, the one that I met in New Clueless. That's right, Fiona. As if, hey, you're on our Bluetooth speaker. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? This is oh so my funny. God, yes. So nice to hear your voice. This is so funny that you are through our Bluetooth speaker because you and Jen met before you and I had even connected. Yes. I still haven't met you in person, Amanda. Only via <laughs> phone. <laughs> you never met in person. No. <laughs> no. This is wild. I feel like we've attempted maybe six times mm-hmm. and then it's just like, if that doesn't work out next week will work, we'll make it work. And then it just has never fallen through. Meanwhile, 
you showed up and saw me, Jen. So, oh my gosh. Well, let's chat about that. Well, actually, back up because I think that actually, Fiona, I think Jen and I actually shared the story about how you two met, but like, let's hear it from your side. Well, I was on my road trip, like living out of my car, which ended up being just shy of six months. And I toured like all of BC. I took the ferry from Prince Rupert all the way down to Port Hardy on Vancouver Island. And then was just meandering my way down and headed one day. I was just like, I just don't feel like doing what I'd planned. I was like, maybe I'm just going to head over to Fino and Uclulet Way. Like it doesn't really make sense with weather, but I'm just going for it. Like I just had this kind of feeling about it. And then I went to the brewery and they were like, we're really full but if you're fine to sit at the bar like there's other people and I was like oh yeah absolutely and then all the people kind of cleared out beside me and then and you sat down and I don't know who made connection first about what I usually remember things like that but for this case I really don't remember anyways we started chatting and then your friend sat down Megan right and then it kind of just like evolved from there And then you were like, Amanda, you have to meet my friend Amanda. And then I met Amanda. And literally the next day we chatted on the phone for like an hour and a half. And that led to other opportunities and other connections. And here we are. We were there for live music. And I think you were mentioning once Megan got there that you were on a road trip. And then Megan's like, oh, Jen, you have a podcast that's called The Road Trip. And I was like, oh, yes. Yes. That was so serendipitous because I remember even when Fiona and I started speaking, it was like we'd known each other forever. And I remember because anytime that Jen comes at me with someone that she thinks I would connect with, I've always connected with them. And then to have connected with you, Fiona, on the phone for as long as we did. And then one thing led to another, into another, into another. I just feel like this is perfect. Yeah. That was this eight is months full ago, circle here. Fiona, is it still snow? Like, is it still ski season? No, the hill closed a couple weeks ago. I am currently on another little mini road trip here. Where are you? I'm in Lethbridge right now. What? <laughs> oh! I just got in my car yesterday and hit the road and then spent the night last night in Fernie and kicking myself because I didn't even think about it. Like I even moved my skis yesterday. I was just like, their season must be done. I'm embarrassed to actually admit this to the world. Like I sound terrible, but I stayed the night in Fernie and I didn't ski at Fernie and I even get a free day. So I could have just gone for like six runs, three hours in the morning and then carried on to see friends in Lethbridge. But yeah, I'm on a whole little trip. I'm seeing like three or four friends in Lethbridge, then to Brooks and then up to Olds and who who knows who else I'll see and meet along the way. Hmm. Wait a second. You're in Brooks. That's in Alberta. Yeah. I am in Canmore and Amanda came up here and we're just driving around Canmore, actually about to go down the Bow Valley. We're en route to the Bow Valley Parkway to take the scenic route to Lake Louise. Oh my goodness. So fun. So we fun. Just, well, we're just like, yeah, putting some miles on this old baby before she retires for a bit. Well, yeah. I mean, ga- gas is cheap, so you might as well do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you Said should no see when ever. we fill this baby up. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Although full efficiency either. I was at Costco this afternoon and seeing gas like 140 there. I was just like, I literally paid a dollar eighty yesterday. And I was like, well, thank goodness it's gone down a bit. Yeah. Well, you were in BC yesterday and then yeah, Alberta is much cheaper. What a difference. But I wish I had my jerry can <laughs> fill up. Drive down the Bow Valley Parkway. Grizzly bears are coming out. 
I saw quite a bit of wildlife yesterday. It was great. I did fully passed someone. I was like, should I turn around and see them? I was like, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I debated it for a good 45 seconds and then pulled over and turned around because I was like, you don't always get to see cool little sheep and different things on the road. Some trips mm-hmm. you see them everywhere and others you don't at all. So it was always my goal to see so much wildlife on my like six month road trip that I'm like, now on just a random day, I'm seeing them. Why aren't I just as excited? Mm-hmm. So there we go. I haven't seen a grizzly since last fall. Well, they've been sleeping since then. That's very true. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> Here's something. We were just talking about hibernating the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, the bears are starting to come out. Hello. I've never seen a grizzly bear. No. I want to see one stand on its back feet. I feel like you're in danger then, aren't you? Well, I mean, it'd be in my car. Yeah. Okay. So we're like all kind of on a road trip. Yeah, I know. I yeah. love this. And actually, this, this is, is really sitting. cool, Fiona, that you're calling because I wanted to just kind of catch up with you in general anyway. So great timing. What's new? Oh, what is new? I mean, the mountain finished up. I decided to stay in Rossland for the summer, the hmm. foreseeable future. I'm just loving little small town living. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, what our friendship led to, we just had the pre-sale of our book, That's which right. is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And that for me also was just kind of like the commencement of launching kind of more work and that I'm wanting to pursue hmm. within the sexual assault world. So those are kind of just like big things that have happened in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And like, again, now that we're kind of like nearing the other side of that massive congrats on that, like even just sharing your story and that's like monumental. It's very pivotal, I think, right into the work that you're doing. So I don't know how much of that you've actually told Jen. I'm happy to sit and listen to you share a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think, have I told Jen? Yeah, I did tell Jen some of it, I think. The tiniest pause here for a content or trigger warning that Fiona opens up here about being drugged, a sexual assault and rape from personal experience, and how this has led into the work that she's doing now and her visions for the future. But yeah, I was sexually assaulted. I was drugged and unfortunately raped by three gentlemen when I was 17 years old and kept it a big secret for a long, long time. And I told my family last year, and it was kind of one of those things that I'm turning my pain into my purpose that... Through COVID, I was just very much like, what, what is my purpose in life? My background is in analytical chemistry and doing research on different products. And I was really set up to be successful in that field. Um, I had a great mentor. I had so many opportunities. I had published numerous scientific papers, but something just didn't ring true about it. And I was looking at people, you know, 20 years ahead of me. And I was like, I don't want your life and I don't want your job. Um, and just kind of had this deep knowing feeling that I was meant for something with like high impact and something that just meant a lot to me and super purposeful. So I kind of share about my journey in the past couple of years with COVID and just that pivot from sciences to figuring out what's next in the chapter of my book in She Lives Her Truth, where um, I'm sure you've talked about already, Amanda. Amanda's the lead author of us all. And just kind of like sharing my story there in a public way. Um, I'm now using it as kind of like the start of work within that field. I had this vision for a long time that I was going to be speaking on a stage. So I think I'm going to kind of start there, focus more to like middle school and high school students. And my pillars are more like awareness, education, and support for that. Mm. But I kind of have like so many things that come up for me of like what I dream to do. So I know it's like a big, a big thing, but I'm just like, okay, I'm starting here. I'm starting, starting now. Okay. So 
you, as soon as you were like, we're just going and going and going about that, you have me so curious because I love pulling out the big visions and the big dreams here. So like, let's go big, no shame, no holding back. Like what would the most beautiful version of this work look like? Oh, well, oh man, there's so many things. Sometimes when people ask me, I'm like, wait, what are all my ideas? And then 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh wait, and this, mm. and this, and this. That's how our brains work. It's okay. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. I know that about both of you. Um, one thing is restorative justice is a thing in Canada and so many people don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so utilizing and educating people on that. But honestly, I think there's just so many flaws in how our court system works. That was a huge reason why I didn't share with anyone. I was just scared if I like opened my mouth, just I, if I squeaked a peep that it was just going to blow up in my face and I wouldn't really get control of what I was able to do. And I still don't even know in detail of somehow of our system works of, you know, the different step-by-step and what are options. So I would love to see that change in its entirety, which is a huge piece and don't be like expecting looking my name on that in the next few years. But that is just like my big dream. I'd love to do that. Mm. That now that I've said it out loud on this podcast, I can't exactly say it, but I imagine like in 20 or 30 years, someone's going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you did this. And I'm like, I always knew I was going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then also just like education of young people, especially like men to be aware of like what women go through. Mm -hmm. And also like it happens to so many women. What if when a man dated a woman, he was dating her through the lens of like, what has she gone through? Like what trauma has she endured? And how can I be delicate and supportive of this? Um, Cause it really does affect a lot of aspects of your life. And I'm not downplaying at all how much happens to men as well and their trauma and their assaults. I mean, I think it said 15% of sexual assault happens to men, which is a huge number. And sometimes I wonder like kind of, you know, with a saying of hurt people, hurt people that maybe it's those young boys that happen to, I think it's 15% happen to boys under the age of 16. That's what the stat is. Um, so it's like, what if those young boys are growing up and they don't know how to deal with this themselves and they're then hurting other people, you know? So the education in that aspect. And then also just education in different systems. I ran into um, a nurse who's specializing in ER. That's her specialization. And I kind of just asked her, I was just like, so can you tell me a little bit about the process of what happens when assault victim comes in? Um, Especially if it's like, you know, a rape and you're having to do a whole rape test. And she couldn't tell me. Hmm. And that's no discredit to our nurses or the, you know, the system. Like I have huge respect to them and so, so thankful to them through this whole time, Mm -hmm. um, the past couple of years specifically. Mm -hmm. But it also just blew me away that I was like, whoa, like where's the support for people when this first happens and if they're reaching out for the first time for help Mm -hmm. and if these people aren't really trained around trauma and how how to be dealing with that so Mm -hmm. yeah there's so many different aspects I would love to have a whole support team of people that work with me of you know different lawyers and clinicians and more somatic based people it's Mm -hmm. crazy that I don't think in counseling that they really focus much yet in a lot of counseling schools on somatic work Mm -hmm. and trauma really just affects the whole body Um, I did some EMDR in counseling and it was just like mind blowing, Mm -hmm. but that's a specialty after counseling. That's not even covered within a normal counseling degree. Mm. Yeah. You've hit on so many good points there, but I think the good news here. Sorry, I just get rambling. (laughs) No, I love it. The passion is real. And I see that and I hear that in you and I can, I can tell that that gets you so fired up and that's exactly what type of energy we need in this type of work. But what I was going to say is that amongst all of those things that you've named, I think something that is happening at rapid, rapid speed right now 
is that there are changes in the understanding of what is required in order to support people of all ages, of all genders, and also of not all, I can't say all experiences, but in such a wider variety of of experiences and traumas. Even the word somatic, like there's still so many people that don't know what that means, right? And understanding the full body experience of where trauma is held and stored in the body and how that can manifest in the body. So I see your vision every time you talk about it. And every time we have these discussions, I I see what you're talking about and know that the fuel and the fire that is within you is exactly what's needed to start monumental things like this. So good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely exciting. I mean, at the start of this whole craziness in the world and pivoting at first, I had a lot of compassion and patience for myself and I was like, yeah, but it'll work out. This is good. And then, you know, hitting some low points and coming into fall and I got sick myself and just in isolation and, you know, just different periods of time. I was very lost and I was like, oh my goodness, I just wish I knew what I was supposed to do. I just wish, I just wish, I just wish. Mm -hmm. And then to finally have it like be like, okay, I know Then I was like, okay, I want it in fruition. Like I know what I want to do. Like I just wanted to make it to come to life. So it feels good to finally like speak it into the world so publicly because that only really happened in the past week. Mm -hmm. Um, it's baby steps though. It's baby steps. And I know actually Jen's just sitting right beside me. She's got a question too. I just am curious, you know, I'm going back to, I know that there could be like a lot of fear that comes from like admitting to this and people maybe not believing you and saying like, oh no, Fiona, like that didn't happen. They were just, you know, being nice or whatnot. And I know that like this whole sexual awareness from the time that we were like 17 years old has come so far, even like in the last two to three years. So I'm just curious as to like, you know, what finally made you want to share your story, Mm -hmm. which I mean, it's great that you are. Yeah. Okay. So wait, initially, I think you were almost asking like, why didn't I share them initially? Or you want to know more why I did decide to share now? I guess it's the two questions, like why you didn't share initially and then what made you now decide to share? Yeah. Um, why I didn't share initially, there's just so much shame and secrecy. I touch on this a little bit in my story in the book as well, that just like, I didn't know what the process looked like. I didn't fully know that I was drugged until a few months later when a biology teacher included it in, she included a week about drugs. And when she described all the different side effects and what it does to your body, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. And it's just, you know, we put so much doubt in girls' minds to be like, like exactly like you said, like, are you sure that happened? Are you sure those boys weren't being nice? You know, there's all the terrible questions, even if someone doesn't say it to you verbally to direct it at me. I've heard someone say it to umpteen other girls in umpteen other situations. Even if it's when watching a movie, we say it about people, you know, what were they wearing? What were they drinking? And it's like, none of that matters. That doesn't give someone the right to violate your body. Like my very vast analogy is I'm like, if someone was like literally walking down the road naked, does that give you a right to go up and just like grab their boob or their penis? Like, no, you wouldn't do that then. So why is wearing anything, you know, it was teasing you, it was tempting you. Like that whole discussion, I just can't believe it's still being had, but just by different people's, you know, difference in awareness and education and just how their openness to changing their perspective. So that was a big thing. I was really worried about having that label. I saw someone else after me that they did go through it and they did go public with it. And she was just like labeled the girl that was assaulted, the girl that was raped for years. And I was a really good kid. I was not a partier. Like I was in French immersion. I was in leadership. I was on the hockey academy. Like 
that's just the picture that I've never really painted to other people, but maybe good for listeners to hear that. It's like, like I was a good kid and I wanted to like continue things with my life. I didn't want my life to become about this Mm. because the court system does take, you know, at least two years realistically. And also just the financial aspect. That's something I still would like to learn more about within our system. But it's like, if I'm the victim, who pays for my lawyer? So if I open up about it, am I expecting my parents to be paying 50 to $100,000 for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Money wouldn't necessarily solve this. Like, yeah, it's great to like come out with your story, but the emotional, you know, stress and whatnot that you've gone through, does a dollar yeah. sign? No, it- but I think that was a limitation why I didn't share before. Because maybe in the back of my head, I knew like this would, co- I knew a court case is just, I think that's where my mind went. So who would pay for that lawyer if I was 17 and that was the issue, you know? Um, And then why I decided to share recently, I think maybe I always just kind of knew I was going to share and I kind of, telling my family was the biggest hurdle. I always kind of thought once I tell my family, I don't care who knows in a way because Mm -hmm. I don't wear it as such a label or defining anymore. And if someone, if other people define me as that, I'm like, oh, you can think that about me, but I know that's just such a small part of who I am and what I kind of bring to the table. But just having my family know of that secret and that I kept it for so long. And I think knowing, and it did, it really hurt my parents. My mom was just so devastated and they just kind of blame themselves and they wonder like, how didn't we protect you? And how didn't we notice? And who are they? You know, my mom still would like to know their names. And I was like, what good would it do to you? And in some ways I'm like, maybe she just wants to have like a name to blame, but she would kind of joke. And I would worry that she's like, I want to find them and do something, you know, or, you know, go wave my finger in their face. I'm like, what if she actually went and hunted them down? You know, like, I don't think there'd be good from that in that case. Um, so I think my parents, it really hit them hard in that way. I have three brothers and all of their reactions were a little bit different, but I think I just started to see, I'm like, I actually read Glennon Boyle's book, Untamed, and she talks about finding your purpose. And she's like, use what breaks your heart. And I just remember sitting and just staring at a wall for two hours and just like thinking, thinking, thinking. And it was kind of just like came to me. I was like, my rape is what really breaks my heart of something that I know would impact the world. And it really hurts me when I hear of it happening to other women. Mm -hmm. So through this whole process and in the past week, obviously there's been some big emotions have I gone more publicly about it Mm -hmm. on Sunday I just had a day I was like I just needed to like dance and scream and shake and cry and lay and do nothing you know like Mm -hmm. it was just a big day and that was a few days after it was just like all settling but um I just reminded myself I was like it's so much bigger than me you know it's so much bigger than me that even now if I had families or friends being like we don't understand why you're doing this and you're making a big deal out of something that happened so long ago I was like that's okay if you think that way like Mm. there's gonna be so much good that comes from me sharing yeah you actually named something another really great thing there is that well actually I think in your own healing journey that you've been able to get to a space where you're able to recognize that any judgments perceptions opinions anything like that that are coming your way from other people are a projection of their own fears or misunderstandings, you know, potentially lived experiences, you know, that are kind of coming at you in question. So um, I love that you have that awareness even going into this, especially with the publication of the book, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of good is going to be coming your way and a lot of people are going to be opening up. Mm -hmm. But I also think that you're very much aware, you're very smart and you're, you're very aware of what is potentially coming your way in form of questioning. And why did you do this? You know, but also having capacity to be like, I'm here if you want to talk, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, sorry, Jen, you go ahead. Well, it's like, you know, you shared your story, but it's not like rapes come to an end. Mm -mm. People are still being raped every day. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I just think that kids are developing now. Like I remember, you know, like when I was 16, what I was like, and it's like 16 year olds now, 14 year olds, like they're just maturing, maturing (laughs) or developing at such a faster pace than we were. Mm -hmm. So like, unfortunately it's probably happening to girls who are, you know, 13. Yeah. Like it's so much easier to access so many things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the yeah. biggest of my concern when I was 17 was trying to get a fake ID to just go have a drink at the bar. <laughs> but, but I mean, realistically, true. that's also where it could happen. So it's like, exactly. there's a reason why we don't want those 17 year olds at the bar. Mm. Right. I remember when I was in college, I was talking to my dad one time. He's like trying to figure out how I could afford to go out all the time. And I'm like, well, dad, guys just buy me drinks. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, these guys just buy me drinks. And he's like, do you buy them drinks back? And I'm like, no, they offer to buy me drinks. He's like, Jen, this is stopping immediately. Because he's like, so what happens when this guy waits for you on the step after the bar? I was like, so I bought you all these drinks. What are you going to do for me in return? And I was like, oh, touche. Never thought about that. And also like, why do you owe him something if he chose to buy you drinks? Exactly. But like my dad, like this old school mentality, he's like, okay, this guy's been buying you drinks. Like what? Like, you know, he's trying to get you drunk. And I'm like, oh no, he just wants to have a good time. <laughs> and like, that's but I'm like, of course. Yeah, naive. Like, okay, now I bought you all these drinks. Like, why don't you come to this after party with me? I'd be like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> One thing into the next. It's so true. Walk it's right into it, Porter. Yeah. No, it's real. And I guess that's kind of, as you say that, I think of the education piece, because I get it. It's so hard for parents. Like, I am not jealous of anyone who's parenting, you know, young kids and also teenagers. And I'm like, will that be me one day yet to be decided? Hopefully a few years away still. But it's it's hard. What do you do? And, you know, even when parents do try to bring up some certain conversations, some teenagers are just too cool for school. Mm-hmm. And you look at your 11 and 12-year-old and you're like, this couldn't possibly happen. It's always different if you look at your firstborn child or your thirdborn, you know, like when you talk about things. But if more of that education was just early on, that they're just aware of those things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be such a big like, oh, let's have a chat about the birds and the bees. But and less of like fear mentality of your parents tell you can't go out because they're trying to protect you, but you think they're just lame. So you sneak out the window. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's just like a more holistic education and approach. I mean, my thing is I look back now, like, did I even consider going to the hospital and getting a date rape test? Like, I don't even know if I knew that was a thing. And if we know what's happening to so many girls at age 15, 14, 17, like, shouldn't they at least know that that's an option? Like, Hey, a reason why you might want to tell someone about your assault very quickly is because we want to try to get some evidence. So if you do decide to go forward in the future, but if they don't even know if that's a thing or my best friend pointed out to me recently, we've chatted more openly about it because she still thinks about it sometimes. And is like, I just can't believe that happened to you. And I didn't tell her until months and months later. And, you know, she looks back and she's like, what did I, how did I even support you after the fact? She's like, I didn't know how to support you. I didn't know what to tell you. You know, Mm -hmm. when your best friend says like, keep a secret, you don't want to turn around and rat her out. But if you had the kind of the knowledge to kind of be like, Hey, I get it. You don't want to tell everyone but maybe there's another option, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes me curious about this now what? Tell me about that. 
Yeah. So that's kind of the name I've gone with for my business. And you can find me on Instagram, my new account. Uh, now What Canada is the name of it. Um, and I just thought it was super fitting for almost any circumstance and whatever I want to grow this business to be, because it's like, okay, so you're a female and you were just assaulted. Now what? Okay. Your best friend just came to you and told you she was assaulted. Now what do you do? Okay. You're a guy and you see a different guy at the party drugging a drink. Now what? Oh, you're a guy and your sister just told you she was assaulted. Now what? Oh, you're a parent who has a 10 year old or 12 year old or 14 year old male and female. How do I teach them about sex and assault and drugs and this, like, now what do I do? So I just thought it was like, I brainstormed a lot quite a while ago, but like, oh, what could it possibly be? And, you know, and then when you start overthinking, you just get stressed about making a decision. Mm. And then just a few weeks ago, someone just asked me on the spot, well, what do you want it to be called? And I laughed and was like, I can't possibly think now I've already been trying so hard. And then I was like, but one that pops into my head that stuck is now what? And it was just like, in that moment, I was like, okay, that's what it has Mm -hmm. to be like that. It's so meant to be. It's and great. And I think that that is so open-ended for all of the educational components that you're going to be providing. Yeah. And hopefully just some resources as well. Mm-hmm. I would really like to build that more of a page as well. So I quickly went and bought the domain. So like now what Canada.com is mine, which is super exciting. Yeehaw! Yeah. So on Instagram and now webpage, the webpage doesn't have much yet, much yet, but I'd love it to be a resource, you know, for parents to go to and be like, how do I have these conversations? Or if I speak in the school and kids are, you know, sitting there wondering and thinking, but they are not someone who's going to go ask a question or raise their hand or bring it up to someone Mm. that, you know, they all have an iPhone or an iPod or whatever that they can at least go and get some resources. Mm -hmm. And some of it, I start to, I thought of this a minute ago, sorry, but I've just like, some of it comes down to like just sex positivity as well. You know what I mean? Like we make such a big deal out of the official birds and the bees talk, but if it's more just like normalized as you know, Mm. that's a kind of a whole other topic, but Mm -hmm. just something that starts to creep into my head too, that I would hope there'll be some resources there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Okay. So even moving into, like you said, with between resources and the educational component that you've got going on here too, I think that like back to what you first said about how you're going to start kind of networking and bringing in people so that you can actually kind of have people that are working with you and for you kind of thing as it, as it evolves and expands. So moving forward, like right now, what's the next step that you're taking right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, definitely just building a network of connections. I would love to start getting into some schools or into different spaces to do some public speaking. I'm based in BC, but would definitely would travel a little bit. I have the opportunity that I'm actually going to speak in my first school this coming spring, um, back where I'm from in Chilliwack, BC, which is very exciting. So I'll get to do that and just building those connections to start getting that word out and getting experience and connecting with different people in that way. So if anyone listening is interested in that, knows of someone who would be super beneficial and say, you know, they are passionate about this work too, they would love to connect with you or I know someone who would love to have you in their space. Mm. In the Kootenays, I'm going to be connecting with the Youth Action Network um, and seeing, you know, how I can support them and just to be connected with them. And yeah, just for listeners too, to kind of connect with me more on social and online and just kind of follow the journey and learning because word of mouth is a huge thing. I think referrals is huge. 
yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, and then some. Like, I, I wish you nothing but the biggest, best successes with that. I know that we're approaching, I don't know, Jen's been talking about some huge cookies thing in Lake Louise. So I was going to say, like, I think when we turn off the van, I think that the Bluetooth cuts out. So we'll call you right back. Okay, sounds good. And then, Jen, where are we going? Royal Laggins in Lake Louise for the chocolate chip cookies. So that's where we're going. Okay, so... Friends, we have made it officially. Apparently, we're going for cookies. You know me. I'm always down for some cookies. So thank you so much. We've enjoyed your company and appreciate you coming along. Make sure that you take a big stretch and nourish yourselves today. If you had a nice trip today, be sure to follow us on your podcast app and jump back in next week. Tell your friends. They'll fit in the van. We'll gas up, grab snacks and cookies and continue down the open road next week. 